0: We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.
1: good
2: how are you I'm good uh for those listening in uh which number one creepy what are you people doing don't you have your own lives why do you have to eavesdrop on our conversations uh this is the three questions I'm talking to Michelle Wolf Hello. Uh, who is who is incognito deep in in the country in the heartland hiding out
1: i'm i'm all about the farm life right now
2: (laughs) (laughs) are you really are you now i you you kind of got stranded right in the in the country right when this quarantine thing started
1: i'm in ohio i was um i was supposed to do a charity gig out um uh in ohio and the kid the school that dave chappelle's kids have gone to i was supposed to do a charity gig there and i um it got canceled, but they were like come stay anyway. We'd rather you be out of the city. So, here I am, 6 weeks oh, later. Oh, nice. Still in Ohio, um at the Chappelle cottage. So Oh, nice.
2: <laughs> nice. Now, uh, are you guys sick of each other yet?
1: Um, I don't think so. I mean, maybe yeah. they're really sick of me, but everyone seems to be getting along well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, do you at least have your own cable? Like, you have yeah, your own TV. Yeah. Oh, that's good. TV,
1: I have well, you know, I have my own coffee maker. I can be I can be completely self sufficient with just those two things. So Yeah. Um, and you know, I think everyone feels lucky right now that they have more than just their immediate family to talk to.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. No, I know it is I honestly it is kind of like nice to reserve a couple people that aren't immediate family who you trust to be quarantined to. So you can yeah. kind of have a slightly larger circle, you know. Yeah,
1: this this quarantine really makes the case for living in compounds. <laughs> <It's> yeah. Like, <laughs> several different well, families. <laughs>
2: well, it also it also just I mean it's kind of a bummer, but like especially being in LA when I do go somewhere, it's like a, it's like you know it's like the Fourth of July weekend or something, or it's you know yeah
1: it's emptied out right.
2: Yeah, or like you know Yom Kippur or something. It's just yeah. like there nobody's on the road, and and there's there's part of it that's really great, and there's part of it that's creepy and scary and weird, you know. Yeah. Uh, and apparently the air here hasn't been hasn't been this good in like forty years. <laughs> it's it's crazy how like clear and beautiful it is. Yeah. You don't have to worry about if that. If
1: anything, uh, the animals are taking over again, which yes, is, is kinda nice. yes apparently in thailand they like elephants are back to crossing the streets and uh
2: um yeah i saw a jellyfish in the canals of venice
1: well they can die i don't care about them
2: (laughs) (laughs) they're not
3: cuddly (laughs)
1: yeah they're they're gross they sting. i'm sure they have a purpose and a function and some environmentalists would get mad at me for saying that but
3: yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) so has this pretty much i mean were you just doing live dates were you developing is this kind of like just stopped you dead in your career tracks
1: well i was doing a lot of live dates but luckily i do have some stuff that i'm i'm supposed to be writing
3: (laughs) i don't know how much i've
1: gotten done but i have other stuff to work on which is nice uh yeah so very lucky in that sense everyone's like you should write a you know everyone uh, all of my agents i mean are like, yes. you should write a book. And I'm like, I've never wanted to do that less.
2: <laughs> I I keep telling myself, and I think that this is not unusual, like, come on, you know, you've, you've seen, you've sat in front of cops for three hours right. before. <laughs> like, you've done that. Like, maybe you should do something a little more productive than three hours of cops. But yeah. then it's like, yeah, but there's a lady with an SS tattoo that just... <laughs> shoved her boyfriend's cocaine in her vagina and she had no idea what it was. He just said, "Put this up you." And she went, "Okay." Like,
1: get you a girl like that, come on. <laughs> no shit.
2: I mean, I mean, and you know, I'd have to overlook the SS tattoo. Right. But, yeah. you know, we all have differences you know, that we have. You yeah, overcome. You got
1: to, you know, take what you, you know, give and take a little. I also feel like you've probably been you've worked for how many years straight? I mean,
2: A gazillion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like this is probably the most time you've had off. And
2: well, you know, it's weird because as the Conan show has gone on it, we have, we, at first, you know, when the TBS show started, it was pretty solid, Mm -hmm. but then as time has gone on, it's kind of the schedule gets looser. So I will have like a week off in the middle of March or in the middle of you know, October when no one else has off, my kids aren't off school, right. nobody's off work or anything. I'll just have like a weird free week. And I, those weeks have always been tough for me. And they're, they're easier now that I don't, that I don't smoke weed anymore. Right. Like Cause when I used to smoke weed, it would just be like, all right, I'm on vacation. I can just get high all day long. Right. And then, and then after a few days of that, like, I don't feel so good about myself. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but it's funny because I was kind of used to having those free floating, you know, like structureless, aimless. Oh, well, I didn't get anything done kind of weeks. And when this thing hit, I was like, all right, everybody has this now. Like, I don't have to feel guilty for being a fucking lazy slob. I, you know, it's like. Everyone, it has to be a lazy slob. It's mandated.
1: I, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of refreshing. Like we get to, yeah. like, I feel like this is the most American we can be. Just yeah. <laughs> veg yeah. out and, you know, eating. I mean, I spent the first several weeks just drinking at any time of the day that felt yes. okay. And uh, I've really, I've really put the brakes on that a little bit because I was like, yeah. noon is, now it's starting to seem like a problem.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like prior to this, I was trying like trying to be good about keeping carbs low. Yeah. And now I might as well have just like moved into a sour bread bowl, <laughs> you know, and have put my stuff in there instead of a chowder because it's I just can't stop eating bread and pancakes and pizza and it doesn't help come that out. everyone gonna...
1: is baking on Instagram, and I'm like, Can I know, you I know. Get out of my face or send me some. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now
2: you're in a you're you should uh, ask Dave. You know, like where's you know to put in an oven and
1: man, Dave though, I gotta say, I didn't know this about him. He's a great cook.
2: Oh really? Yeah,
1: he's up there like frying fish and chicken and like like using a crock pot. And, uh, and Lamb, <laughs> it's like, this guy can, he's really, he's, forget comedy, he's got, he's really good yeah. at seasoning.
2: <laughs> that ha- well, I imagine, you know, you live in a small town, so you're sort of limited restaurant-wise. Yeah. You got kids, you know, and he's, you know, and he's had stretches where he hasn't really been, you know, touring much or mm-hmm. doing other stuff, so you might as well get the crock pot out.
1: Yeah, get that crock pot out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, how long have you been actually doing stand up at this point?
1: Stand up, I'm just doing it nine years now.
2: Nine years, yeah. And and you didn't? Did you start up doing stand up or no? You didn't, no. did you?
1: The first I started in 2008 in improv. Yeah. Um. So I did three years of that, and then I moved into stand up. Gently pushed into stand up from improv. I think they were kind of trying to nicely say you're too selfish for this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Who's they? Just everybody, <laughs> uh, everyone you perform with the
1: improv with? community. <laughs> 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 Look, lady, it, get out of here! You don't share.
2: <laughs> was that some? Was that something that you felt yourself? Did you start to kind of feel that way? Yeah,
1: or- you know, like I could see myself. I could also tell myself on stage. I started, um, uh, I started thinking of jokes to say rather than responding. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that the half is that the half lemonade spindrift? I it love sure that. is. That's my favorite one.
2: Yeah, it's like Arnold Palmer sparkling Aren't weak. Sparkling yeah. Arnold Palmer,
1: lightly <laughs> so you, flavored sparkling yes, Arnold Palmer.
2: Exactly.
1: It's like an R- um,
2: Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> good, good eye on the soft drinks there.
1: I love a spin drift. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now before I, I should I should go back because I, I, let's go back to the beginning. Okay. Um, you're from somewhere midwesterny, right?
1: I'm from actually from Hershey, Pennsylvania.
2: From Pennsylvania, okay. That's kind of midwestern. It's a midwestern. And yeah, my voice yeah. is
1: very midwestern. I get a midwestern playing yeah. every once in a while.
2: Yeah, yeah. And um and what kind of what was your household made up of? Like what were you did you have a lot of siblings? I had
1: two older brothers. Yeah. Um, and we lived in this small house, like kinda outside of town a little bit. Um, like you had to go you went through like a farm and up a hill and mm-hmm. and then our house was up there in a little neighborhood. And, yeah, two older brothers who I desperately tried to hang out with all the time. Yeah, yeah. Which essentially just meant, all right, you can hang out with us if you do whatever, whatever, like, we need you to do. So, like, if uh-huh. we were playing, like, street hockey or something, they'd be like, well, you can play if you play goalie. Um, which meant I would wear all the winter coats and they'd put me in front of the goal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and any face protection at all? or. Uh,
1: I think I wore like a, it's like a Jason, uh, is who's the guy? Is that Jason? No. Mike I think Myers. that is Jason is Michael Myers. I don't know. Oh, uh,
2: no. Michael Myers wears the rubber mask.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Then Jason. Yeah. Yeah. I was wearing it. I red
2: think. Red yeah. 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 Jason's the one with the hockey mask. Yeah,
1: yeah. Some. Yeah. And it was very smelly and plasticky, but you know, and I it pro-
2: was out. it, was it, was it just a Halloween mask?
1: It was. I don't know where they had gotten it. My brothers actually played ice hockey, too, but they never volunteered to let me wear their pads or their helmets. They're protective. Yeah,
3: right, right.
2: Well, You'll get cooties on them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what did your folks do?
1: Uh, My mom worked in, uh, like, an insurance claims. She has one of those jobs that if you ask me, still, if you ask me now, I'm like, oh, she's some sort of claims. Yeah, yeah. Some office thing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, My dad worked in a bunch of retail stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Just... Odd retail stores, anyway. Yeah, John Wanamaker to Toys R Us.
3: <laughs> oh, really?
1: Yeah, but Toys R Us when I was too old for it to be fun for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, Toys R Us was always where the stoners worked.
1: Yeah, well, my dad was just a, not that, but also <laughs> an assistant manager. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh boy, let's move on. Uh, what well, was it? A funny house? Were you? Was it a funny house growing up? Or
1: um, I always thought my brothers were fun and funny. You know, like I was. Uh, my brother used to do this. This is I don't know if this is even a good story to tell. But when I was little, my brother—that's that, what like, you're
2: in the right place. Yeah. If you're not sure whether he it's a always, good story,
1: you know, like farting was always very funny in my house. So my brother yeah. would be like. If, like, he had friends over, he'd be like, come, if you have to fart, you have really funny farts. So fart in front of us. (laughs) (laughs) I would, like, come downstairs where they were having a sleepover. I'd fart, and then I'd run upstairs. Well, I that's, guess you that's some training. I've been a performer and <laughs> yes, yes.
2: With 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 a with special skills, the special skills column on your resume, ready-made.
1: I almost I almost made it to Juilliard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh and then going to, You were pretty sporty though, right? It was, was it was a kind of a jockey family?
1: Yeah, I mean my brothers played ice hockey and I was probably the sportiest of all of us. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I played I played everything. I played you know, like early, you know, when you're young, you play everything. But I remember I played baseball. Um, me and three other girls were the only girls left in the baseball league. And then they were like, you guys got to move to softball. It's boys only now. And we were like, well, oh, we don't want to play softball.
3: No, really? <laughs> um,
1: but then, you know, I played soccer and then and I got pretty serious about field hockey and track. And then I ended up running track in college, too. Oh, really? yeah I also danced i did i dance I danced tap jazz and ballet um although
2: competitively or no, just like just
1: like recitally yeah yeah um in the very- and was all
2: this stuff was all this stuff that was sort of like motivated from inside or or were you kind of
1: yeah, I really liked all this stuff, you know, like I think you know the fact that I gravitated towards track the most i mean I was also that was my best sport, but also it's individual. You know, yeah. like I was a my best event was high jump. And I think high jump explains everything you need to know about me, which is, yeah, you jump until even if you win the meet, they still raise the bar until you get out. Uh, so you always leave on a, like a loss being like, so even if you won, <laughs> you'd still be like, yeah, but I didn't get the last one. I guess I could right, right. do better. You know, it's like it's never good enough event <laughs> yeah yeah
2: there's necessary failure
1: yeah yeah
2: like you have to fail at some point
1: yeah you have to fail to end and, yeah yeah uh, which you know I don't know I feel like that's kind of <laughs> uh, just says a lot about who I am today <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah but you're not failing I mean yeah, you know that, yeah, I guess like, that's coming like that's down the road
1: enough you know that that funnel, yeah yeah high jump head. yeah uh but you know, it's good. It's motivating. It's helped me a lot. Does it
2: does it lessen as time goes on?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's like always like wanting the next thing kind of, you know. Yeah. Uh, working towards the next thing, which is good for stand up, you know, because yeah. you do a special and then you go back out on the road. You're like, OK, time to raise the bar.
3: Yeah.
2: And it is the stand up is very much like a shark kind of life of you got to keep yeah. moving. And there's always got to be because you can't. You can't sit on old material. You can't, like, be a band and play the hits, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. And, like, I remember um, one time Rock told me, he goes, um, he was like, well, you know, your special is just an advertisement for your tour. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And it's just like, yeah, you have to do a special so you can tour, but then you have to get new material so you can tour. Yeah. And then you do another special, and then... It's just a hamster wheel,
2: right? Right. Well, you're on it. I'm on it. Enjoy your nuggets. Um. So, uh, you would well, then you went to college. Uh, what did you study? In, where'd you go again? I, I know I, I read Mary. it, but
1: okay. Uh, I went to William and Mary in Virginia, and I um studied kinesiology, which is the study of how the body moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to be like an exercise physiologist. Like, remember those old Gatorade commercials where they'd have people running on a treadmill, like hooked yeah, up to yeah. all those things? I wanted to be the guy running that experiment.
2: With the clipboard. Yeah, and, I wanted yeah, to be the clipboard yeah, yeah. guy
1: testing the athletes. And uh, I loved clipboards. <laughs> <laughs> Big clip head over here. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you could you
2: still could use one in your act.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just, um, um, yep. Yeah, but I, I wanted to do that. And uh, so kinesiology is kind of like the the major that gets you into that kind of stuff um which was really cool like i mean i took i took anatomy i dissected a human wow um which was really with cool. permission, with, with, permission with, yeah, I... with permission yeah with right. permission the first time okay. we did no I'm kidding um, <laughs> 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 yeah and that was really cool and also gross um yeah because you know you're cutting up a human uh yeah but I remember my my anatomy teacher he was so used to it like it's definitely smells of formaldehyde when you're in there yes and my anatomy teacher was so used to it that he would eat subs while he like checked our work and I was like is there really no other time of the day you could be eating
2: (laughs) (laughs) that you could be dropping shredded lettuce into a body cavity
1: I'm like there's an hour of your day like is yeah yeah your set dinner time or something
2: that's gotta be like a fucking power move or something or yeah. some weird kink or you know
1: yeah something weird uh um, yeah but did you
2: each get your own your own body or did you have to share
1: we shared there was like there was yeah like, like two groups of five and uh we each had our own bodies so each yeah group of five um I had a guy and yeah. And-
2: in high school, I had a an anatomy and physiology class, and we had uh, rabbits. No, no, we had cats. Cats. Uh, and, and yeah, they we had formaldehyde cats. They came in plastic bags, and uh, and we it was one cat per two students. And I um, like we all got our cats. So we had to start like the first step was to skin the cat. Oh. And. I skinned ours, like my partner, uh, the young woman that I was partners with, was just like, you go ahead, you do it all. And I was pretty fascinated by all of it, but I skinned it really fast, mm-hmm. like within like three minutes. Wait, you mean like taking
1: off the fur or taking off the skin? Yeah.
2: No, no. Skin, like take off the fur. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, like you to remove the pelt. Yeah. You know, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, so I did it really fast and everyone else was kind of just starting and having no, and there was no sort of instruction. It was just like, and now remove the pelt. Um, and everybody had me go around and I, I removed the pelts of all the kids, maybe 12 cats. I like spent that whole day just going or that whole class going around and skinning everyone's cat
1: did you have some previous training or was this a new I, you know what that i found out You, had. i grew up
2: in the country and my family you know like my grandpa was a hunter but i never had really i had never skinned anything yeah you know i mean it just i think it's in your bones. i guess <laughs> you know and i well and i you know i from a little as a little kid i could cook so it was like very, it's very similar to like breaking yeah. down a chicken you yeah. know it's all kind of intuitive you know it's all meat. um But I, yeah, so I was like, I became that was like a sort of it was kids were sort of impressed by it, but then also kind of like off put by how good I was at skinning.
1: Yeah, were you Um, like a little shocked to find out that was a skill you had? Were you like, oh, this is worrisome, or were you just? No, like- <laughs> I was more
2: kind of. I, was, I No, I, I, I. Listen, if I'm competent in anything, <laughs> I'm happy. Like there's so many things I'm incompetent that if I find one thing, you know,
3: <laughs> it,
2: it, I, it's I'm I'm thrilled, you know.
1: I uh, so this says a lot about I think again my personality and also why I'm often single is that um, when we got and sorry if this is going to gross you out, when we got to the penis, all the guys in my group were like, because you have to cut it, and you were supposed to cut it long ways.
3: Yeah, and,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, and Well, of course. Like, how
2: You're not going to cut it into, <laughs> into <it> stakes? <laughs>
1: Little discs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Mm. Put in the macaroni. Uh, <laughs> so all the guys in my group were like, No way, I don't want to do it. And I go, I'll do it. And I just went yeah, yeah. very heartlessly.
2: <laughs> no, yeah.
1: I mean, when was- I looked another guy in the eye, I was like
2: <laughs> <laughs> And now the balls
1: <laughs> You never cross my line.
2: <laughs> now, but you didn't end up in kinesiology
1: no i am i was a class a nerd in college one of those people who i just didn't not not only did i want an a i wanted to get the best in the class Um, yeah i studied all of the time i even like i was on the track team i lived in the girls track house and we had we'd have parties there and i would on like saturday night. wait how
2: you lived in there? You mean literally So
1: the there was well there was a house on campus that we called the track house.
2: Oh I see. That's oh okay. Where the
1: track girls lived. And I lived in that house and like sometimes you know, we'd have parties, but on Saturday nights if I had a test on like Monday or even Tuesday, I'd sit in my room while there was a party in the house and I'd study. Like a wow. real nerd. And I get yeah. like I get a very high A, if not a perfect score on the test. And yeah. um so I was kind of burnt out from school, and I did like a thesis, it was really obnoxious. I was insufferable, I still am, but in a different way. And, um, but I- What was
2: insufferable about the thesis?
1: Uh, just the fact that I wanted, like, you didn't have to do a thesis. It's just like, if you wanted to graduate with high honors, you could do a thesis.
0: You could
2: write a he- the, the biggest term paper of your life, and you did it voluntarily. Oh God, what a, what a, what a you're not a nerd, you're a dick.
1: Yeah, really just like, <laughs> why? Why did I do that? I'm, it was such a, looking back, I'm like, what was I, What? whatever, I'm where I am. Yeah, like, yeah. It all, it all worked out. But um, I was really burnt out after school. I didn't, I, I didn't want to go to graduate school right away. I was like, I can't take any more of this studying. So um, my friends, the the other girls on the track team, a couple of them had gotten jobs on Wall Street. And they were like, get a job on Wall Street. while will live in New York for a couple years. And I had never taken a business class. And they were like, well, that doesn't matter. Wall Street loves people that are smart and um, will do any – like they love smart athletes because they think athletes will do anything to win. Yeah,
3: yeah. I yeah.
2: think
1: says a lot about the mentality of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, and – I think
2: also athletes are using to – used to being – used to doing what they're told. Yeah. They're used to having a coach that says, this is how you have to live and this is what you have to do. And following that routine. Yeah, and it's almost like military. Complaining
1: about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember, yeah. yeah. like, Yeah. They would give me tasks and I would just do them. I wouldn't even question it, but um, yeah. they, uh, I, so I went and I interviewed um, and I got a job at Bear Stearns. Um, and I got it. I got the job like a couple of weeks before graduation. And I started, at Bear Stearns in July of 2007. If you don't wow. remember Bear Stearns, uh, it collapsed in March of 2008.
2: <laughs> I do remember that. It
1: was the first bank to fail. Um, yeah. It was just the right size to fail, apparently. <laughs> the other ones were too big. Yeah. Way,
2: just right. It was cute. It, it was, was a cute, cute. snuggly size. It so it could fail. Yeah. Not too big.
1: Yeah. It got bought by J.P. Morgan. Um, and this is a little fun gossip about the building that Bear Stearns was in was originally supposed to be a J.P. Morgan building. It was um, uh, three, 383 Madison Avenue, but it, it's this building that has this hexagonal um, top, and it's the Chase logo. If you look at it, it was originally supposed to be a Chase building, but somehow Bear Stearns got it, and mm. um, then J.P. Morgan bought Bear Stearns and immediately turned it back into a J.P. Morgan building. They moved oh, all wow. the Bear Stearns people out of it immediately. Just like, no, it's our building. Get out. Um, but yeah, I worked at GP- I worked at Bear Stearns. It was um before it collapsed, it was like I wore a suit, you know, like
3: Yeah, yeah. I
1: was really into this Wall Street life for like a couple months and then I realized I hated it.
2: Oh, excuse me. Uh, you? what uh what was your title?
1: Well, I started as I actually started as this the assistant to the CFO of private client services, which is basically mm-hmm. their private wealth management. Um, and then I moved up into, uh, I became an analyst in the due diligence department of the same part of the bank.
2: So that's like double checking on details of acquisitions and basically
1: looking into like they did a lot of mutual fund investing in mutual funds and separately managed accounts and it was kind of doing due diligence on all of those uh, mutual funds and separately managed accounts and making sure that they were still all in good standing and doing what they should be doing and that everyone was in the right share classes yeah all that stuff which I barely had a grasp on I mean, (laughs) (laughs) like I got my series seven and my series 63, which are like the tests. I don't even
2: know what those are. Oh, they're they're like like tests
1: trading like Wall Street trading and licensing tests. Um, But yeah, I mean, even now I'm still like, uh, I don't know. They kept giving me more and more responsibility. And I was like, please stop it.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> like when I eventually moved to J.P. Morgan, um, first of all, there was like a year where I got to see, uh, everyone people would get fired every Thursday, because J.P. Morgan they didn't do like a mass firing in the beginning. They were like right. seeing who they needed, and then like, or also like getting people to do the work they needed to do, and then get rid of them.
3: uh, uh yeah, yeah.
1: And so, like every Thursday, people would get fired. And I was young and cheap enough that they kept me on. Yeah. And I also developed a program through Microsoft Access that only I knew how to use, which was helpful.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> and what did it do?
1: It basically just categorized, like, if someone, if we, it, it categorized all the separately managed accounts and mutual funds that we had. And uh, oh. I them out onto a sheet that the brokers used. But I was the only one who knew how to do the inputs and stuff. <laughs> it would have been very easy to teach someone else how to do it or sure. someone could have come up with a better program, but it seemed like. Yeah. Easy. But
2: when they start, when they start the calls every Thursday, yeah, you know, they can be like, yeah. Oh,
1: she knows. But, um, but then, um, my, my immediate boss, she ended up having a premature baby. So she ended up having a baby at five months and no one, they hadn't picked anyone for her to, to do her job yet. So her boss was like, Michelle, you're going to do her job. And I was like, I really would not like to do that. I don't want to be in charge of that much stuff. I don't want to be that responsible. Because at this point, I'm already doing improv and a little stand up. Oh, really? So like, I'm, I know comedy is what I want to do at this point. I just, and they're like, they're like, no, you have to do it. And I was like, I don't want to do it. Please don't make me do it. They're like, you're doing it. So then I just ended up taking this lady's role and um, really hating the amount of stuff that I had to do. Like, I just like, I didn't want to screw up people's money. Yeah. Um, But here we are. Hopefully <laughs> I didn't do it too and much. And how
2: long, and did you leave from that point?
1: Um, So at this point, I'm I started doing improv, um in March of 2008 as Bear Stearns collapsing I signed up for my first improv class not because it was collapsing um I just I had gone to see a taping of SNL and I wanted to I was like how did these guys get here and they all signed up for improv or they all started in improv so I just signed up for an improv class and that's how it kind of I was just after my first improv class I was just like oh yeah more of this
3: yeah, and yeah. So
1: I started doing more and more improv, and then eventually I started doing stand up. And now I have this lady's job that's way more responsibility than I want because I'm out trying to do stand up every night. And I ended up quitting JP Morgan and going to this computational biochemistry research lab. Sure. Uh, that's always a step <laughs> in an improv career. <laughs> And basically, I, was a, I worked as a recruiter for them, and they were looking for someone who had an alternative agenda, which essentially means they hire, you, they hire someone overqualified for this position who's pursuing something outside of work with the notion that we know you're overqualified, but if you do a really good job at work, we'll support whatever you're doing outside of work and be flexible with you. Oh, wow. So it's kind of the perfect job. Yeah. For someone that's pursuing something.
2: But does it involve them underpaying you too?
1: No, overpay. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's a great company. Really great company. Yeah. Until the other guy who had my job left to go to medical school. And they were like, Michelle, you can ju- just do both jobs.
3: Oh,
2: boy. So
1: it went from, you know, enough work to fill a day to and, and let me go do stand up every night. Yeah, to, yeah. Too much work
3: too so much work.
1: I started doing less and less work. I decided I wanted I wanted them to fire me so that I would get severance. Yeah, yeah. And I started doing less and less work until they did fire me and it took about yeah. 9 months. Wow. Um and was one of the hardest things I've ever done because I don't like to disappoint
2: Uh, That would be rough for, I would have a hard time getting fired too. That would suck.
1: When I got the warning, I almost gave, I almost was like, no, I'll do better.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I decided I don't like this. (laughs) Well, now, were you the funniest person at Bear Stearns? I mean, were you funny in the office or did you kind of?
1: I was kind of quiet in the office because like, (laughs) you know, offices like that where they're like, if they know you're into comedy, they really try to like, be like, tell me a joke. And like,
3: yeah, you know, yeah, like
1: it was really kind of that environment. So I kind of tried to be quiet and keep to myself. Yeah. My main boss there was like a really cool guy who like, liked comedy and was like, nice and supportive. Um, uh, He actually came to my first improv show. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> which was really nice. Uh, But uh, yeah, I tried to I didn't really talk much at work because I. I didn't really everyone was yelling at you all the time anyway so it was really not
3: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but at, at the uh at the tech company, the computational biochemistry research lab, they I don't know if I was the funniest one there because there was a bunch of characters there. Yeah. Like this one guy was um this he was this Chinese biochemist and he came over from China and didn't know any English when he came over. And he learned English by watching Seinfeld. So his cadence of speech had Jerry's cadence of speech.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's better than George's, I guess.
1: And he also opened doors in a less exaggerated, but a Kramer kind of way. <laughs> he just thought that's how you open. Doors that's how America.
2: Americans do it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so he'd always open the door to the office and be like, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> there was another guy there who was um, also one of the chemists. He was also a magician on the side. Mm. So he'd come into my office and show me his new magic tricks. Um, there was one guy. Sounds like it sounds
2: where... like an HR problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Have you seen my penis?
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is called the, uh, (laughs) this is called the growing wand.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You want to see me juggle? (laughs) I'm like, no. Use something else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You can't drop those.
2: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's cheating.
1: Yeah. Anyone can do that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so there was like really weird, interesting people there, but they're all, you know, they're all that kind of like, I'm everyone who worked there that actually like was like working in the tech and science area were like legit geniuses. So yeah. they were all bizarre. They were all people that were like, you know, those people that are too smart to like be any semblance of normal. Yeah.
2: The, yeah, They can't even exist in the outside world because yeah. they're just, yeah. Yeah. Like
1: their brains are just better. They're they're yeah. better and like they they can only really talk to one another and hopefully they're out solving whatever problem this virus is creating right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, my sister works in a uh a big it's an acceleration lab in and she's a biologist. Yeah. And in in Illinois, it's a Fermi Lab. They like, you know, accelerate atoms and knock them into each other and I don't even fully understand it, but it's like a you know, like a three-mile, three-miles-around ring that they just do, like, physics in. And she said that there are people that she works with who are, like, the most brilliant people on Earth who are almost nonverbal, like, yeah. outside of being able to talk about physics, you Yeah,
1: know? Yeah, and they can so. talk all day about that, but anything else, they're like... I remember when you said people because I was a recruiter, we used to have people come in to interview for jobs. And at first I tried to make conversation with them. And then I realized these aren't the kind of people that like conversation. (laughs) So I then started playing a game of who can not talk for the longest. <laughs> and I would just sit silently with them and maybe see yeah. my coffee.
2: <laughs> that's so funny because that's, that's like, that's like something that I learned early on in the Conan show. And it was usually with the biggies, you know, yeah. like the, like the people that were really hot shit. And it was unbelievable. their threshold of discomfort with silence oh yeah like you could sit next to them for 10 15 minutes and not say a word (laughs) and and they would be fine with it yeah there's there's kind of a famous story about somebody somebody at snl one of the up higher up writers and de niro was doing the show Uh uh-huh and just in waiting for a for a meeting de niro was waiting in this guy's office just like sitting in this guy's office in a chair and this guy's at his desk and you know and like a few minutes go by and De Niro's reading the paper and this guy goes so how many kids do you have and De Niro just puts the paper down for a second and goes like we don't have to do small talk <laughs> okay all right
1: <laughs> I appreciate that like, though <laughs> yeah it's like the
2: nicest way to say hey shut the fuck up yeah you know
0: We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com/network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.
1: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style
2: Can't you tell my loves are growing? Now, when you start, were you nervous when you were doing stand-up? I mean, when you made the leap from a day job to, or was there something that happened where you felt like, you know, like, did you score some kind of gig that made you feel like you were safe to move on?
1: Um, Well, so I got, I was working to get fired. um, And I knew that, with the severance and the money I had saved, I had a year where I could not have a job and be okay. Yeah. So, I took that I got fired in um January of 2013 and I worked really hard that year. I was terrified. It was like I think I needed to be scared though because you know like I needed to know I didn't have anything to fall back on and to really like put it all out there and I yeah. Did as many mics, as many shows as I possibly could. You know, like I started going to like that's when I started going to stand up New York and I would I would get check spots there, but I'd hang out there on the weekend in case no one showed up. So if I could hop yeah. on and do a spot, I would. And how old are you at this point, if I may ask? Um at two thousand thirteen I am uh let's see, twenty seven. So I'm not okay. particularly young.
2: Yeah, but you're not, you're also like you're still within an age that it's not as scary to to take a you know to take a risk. I
1: don't own a property. I don't have any family to take care of. I don't even have a pet, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no car payment. I have nothing. You know, like other than rent. I'm like rent and my student loans was really the only thing. Yeah. Um but I uh yeah I like I that was the year where I was like I gotta make it work this year. And then I started submitting packets for stuff. And then in December of that year, I got an interview with Late Night with Seth Meyers, and this is before the show even launched. This is when they're still um, putting the show together. And okay, um, and I interviewed in December, and I got hired in January of 2014, almost exactly a year later. Oh wow! Yeah.
2: So you were right. Ride- you were writing there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now had you per- you so you got hired as a writer there before your ever performed there as a stand-up
1: yeah oh okay i was hired as a writer before just like a month before the show premiered and mm-hmm. then um and then i did stand up there for the first time in july of that same year oh cool which and was how long were you also really nerve-wracking because it was like you do stand up on another show yeah i can go bad or good but like you do stand up at the place you work
2: <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, but I'm you know, I don't know. At least it's like a friendly atmosphere. You know yeah. what I mean? Like people are going to be rooting for you. Yeah. You know, it's like whenever whenever we've had one of our people do stand up on the show, it's it's it feels like you know, everybody's like, oh, we're like a family. And it's kind I always am like, no, it's not. It's not, <laughs> like for A, we're nicer to each other
3: than a family would be.
2: But that is one of the times when it really does feel like exciting. You know, yeah. people do bits on the show all the time, but when they like are doing like their own little, like little, I mean, you know, yeah. just a short period of time that's just them and what they do, it feels that I, you know, if you feel like, you know, like your sister's out there or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that's,
1: it was really, I mean, it, it ended up going really well, but it was really, It the whole thing was really special to me. Like, I remember seeing, like, I said one punchline, and I remember seeing Seth, like, double over laughing, and I was like, oh, like, you know, like, cause I always, like, you know, if he's gonna give me a chance, I wanna make sure I do well, you know, like, all that. Yeah, kind of yeah. Stuff. So it was, it all was really nice. It was, you know, Wally's doing my cue cards, you know, like, yeah, 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 right.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and how long were you there?
1: Um, I was there until I think just over two years. I I left Uh and think in like March of 2016 and I went over to the daily show. Okay. Um, and I stayed there until December of
2: 2017. Mm hmm. Now, were you, were you, did those shows make you more topical or did you already have kind of a a taste for topicality?
1: I got my taste for topical on Twitter because I would really just I like see. sit and I'd, I'd look at news stories and I'd, um, uh, you know, try to write jokes about them. Um, Seth's show really taught me, because it was the first time I had a writing job, but it also taught me to like just be able to write even when you didn't want to yeah um, because I mean, you know this it's like there's plenty of times when you just have to get the job done,
2: right. you gotta put something in the sausage, yeah and get it in a bun. yeah,
1: <laughs> and sometimes the jokes that come out are like the a huge batch of them might be terrible, but you might get mm-hmm. one good one, and that's really all you needed anyway, yeah, so um that like really helped me a lot, but the daily show is really what I got. We were doing some political stuff on Seth. You know, we were we had already started doing the closer looks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, The Daily Show was really when I was immersed day to day in like the political environment, um, which I'm not sad to be out of. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah. No. I, I.
2: Now, were you still were you still working on the Daily Show when you got the correspondence Dinner?
1: No, I stopped the Daily Show in December of 2017. and uh, my first my HBO special came out that same month, and then I had stopped because I was just going to do stand up full time. Yeah. Yeah. Um.
2: And you wanted to to sleep in a little more.
1: Yeah. 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 I wanted to just yeah. live the nightlife instead of living both lives. Because right, right. since 2014, i had been writing all day and then doing stand-up at night. Yeah, yeah. I'd still go to the club every night. I'd still, you know, be on the road as much as I could on the weekend. So I was, like, really kind of burning it at both yeah. ends. Um, but then, yeah, I really, I just wanted to do stand-up by itself for the first time. Um, and then I ended up in January, I went on this world tour with Chris Rock. Um, where we went everywhere. I mean, we went to like Copenhagen and Norway and Sweden and, um, all over the UK and, um, like a million different places in, in Europe that I'd never been yeah. to, or even knew towns. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I got to do that for a lot of January, which was really fun. Um, and also very, I just put out a special, so I was like trying to work on new jokes in Sweden, you know, like, right. <laughs> right, right, right. Where I'm like, I don't know if this is any like Sweden in an arena, you know, like it was, yeah, yeah, the best way to try out new stuff. <laughs> yeah, Um
2: you, you guys ever see the Empire carpet commercial?
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> five eight eight Empire. You know that.
1: Um. But I had also gotten the show on Netflix at this point, and I knew I was going to start working on that in March. And then uh, in, like, February, I think I got the call for the correspondence dinner. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Uh, And I knew what I was going to do going into it. Yeah. Like I knew exactly how I wanted to do it and the kind of jokes I wanted to tell. Um, I worked that set out starting in the beginning of, I think it was, I guess I did it the dinner at the end of April. So I think I started doing it in the beginning of April. I started working on the set at the Comedy Cellar. I would just work on the set every night and I'm so shocked none of it got leaked.
2: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Like I would. And s- some of the jokes at some point were like, even, even like my, you know, Keith Robinson, he's a comic. He's, uh, he yeah. was, even Keith, who would say anything to anybody, he was like, I don't think you should do that one. Oh, really? <laughs> and he's like, as a friend, I don't think you should do that one.
2: <laughs> do you, what, uh, do you want to say any of those or? Are they No,
1: I don't remember. I don't, I don't, I'd have to look them up. I don't remember some of them. At some yeah. point I might them for money but
2: (laughs) (laughs) but not for fuck you andy
1: free what am i (laughs) fucking
2: asshole (laughs) Um,
1: but i uh yeah i mean i worked on it all month and then um i finally called it down to what i wanted to do and um uh yeah i'm like i really i'm so surprised no one leaked anything
2: yeah now I would think too that you would be surprised by. I mean, I, I'm sure that you knew that it would like get a reaction, but the level of reaction was just fucking ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was like, well, it's also the stuff they got mad at. I was like, let's just not pretend that you are actually offended by that.
2: Right. Exactly. Like the things about you guys I make
1: Yeah, the things you guys do on a day to day basis are far worse. Just like, yeah, yeah. not even in the Trump administration, just as government officials, yeah, you know, like the decisions you make on a day-to-day basis are far worse than anything I said.
3: Yeah, yeah, you've
1: all authorized drone strikes. Let's not for, let's not pretend you haven't. Yeah, um, but uh, you know the the thing is, we the day like two days before the correspondence dinner, a couple people that had like been looking at the set were like. I did have a few looks based jokes and a couple people were like, I think you should take those out so that, because I think that's what the story would be about. If you told them a woman telling jokes about another woman's looks. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I really love those jokes, but you're right. And, um, um, so I took them out and then they still got, they still were able to be like, Oh, you're making fun of her looks. And I was like, I'm not, also, yeah. if you're going to get mad at me for that, I'm so sad I left out the jokes where I was actually making fun of their looks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that is that is true. I would yeah. It is like, yeah, you might as well if you're going to, you know.
1: Like now I just know from now on I'm like, all right, well if you're going to get mad, I might as well keep in the stuff so you can actually get mad at something.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um there is a there's a I, always remember, I don't know why it stuck with me, but there's this Charles Manson quote that I just think of where he <laughs> says, like, if they're going to call you a thief and a queer, you might as well be a thief and a queer. <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> it's like, hey, you know, all right, that that's one Mansonism that I can go along with. Sure. Why not?
1: Good point, Charles Manson. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Here, make a lot of sense. <laughs>
1: Hey, I will start uh, I found myself agreeing with the Unabomber too so you know oh I thing? know oh that fucking Unabomber
2: <laughs> there's it's like you have to stop after a while sometimes I mean I didn't read his manifesto or anything but like reading articles about him it's like
1: yeah well he's not
2: exactly wrong, not I, mean- wrong. I
1: mean he shouldn't have sent bombs but he's not wrong <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah 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 sending bombs to people that's fucked up. But yeah, <laughs> things probably were simpler back in the old He's days. You're
1: not wrong about society. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Well, now um what do you, what do you have going on right now besides uh hiding out in Ohio?
1: Um I've got I got a couple projects I'm working on. I'm I'm working on a a mini series that I'm really excited about and um potentially two mini series actually, which is my favorite. Are they-
2: are they fictional, kind of yeah,
1: one is yeah. actually based on a true story and the other one's fictional, and um
2: they're uh, but i mean not they're not they're not like a a talk show or or not a, a standard show. show. yeah, yeah, they're narrative
1: okay. um and, yeah, uh, um yeah, I mean they're really I love a mini series because I love a beginning and an end,
2: yeah, no kidding, um I do too
1: I don't you know like I love Fargo, I love you know, even though they keep doing different seasons, it's like completely enclosed. and Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: no, and there have been so many good series that end up getting fucked up because they realize like, oh shit, they got to, you know, they're heading towards a good end, especially like, you know, crime ones. Yeah. They're heading towards a good end. And then they realize, oh, we got to leave it open for next year. And then yeah. it all just Like
1: the fall, up. I don't know if you've watched the fall. It's like a British crime show, crime drama. It's just yes. one season and it's terrific. Yeah, I don't need it to be longer, and I'm glad you yeah, yeah. make it longer. And I
2: is I, that the Jamie Dornan yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Really creepy in that one.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's he's great in that. Yeah, man.
1: he's really good.
2: Well, is there what do you what do you have? What are your long term plans for like the future? I mean, what do you what do you what's your place? I mean, and and it doesn't it doesn't have to be work too. It's like you know, personal life and.
1: Stand-up, I always want to be my backbone. I love stand-up more than anything in the world. It's my favorite thing to do. And I hope I just get to keep doing it and evolving and getting better and better at it. Um, But, you know, eventually, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, maybe living out in the country somewhere. Maybe getting some animals. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, just having... I love living in New York, um, but like also having a place that I can kind of just chill out and have friends and, you know, be a little bit more connected to the land.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) Grow your own food. That's everybody wants to grow their own food. Or,
1: you know, hire someone to work the land to grow my own food. (laughs) Right, exactly.
2: Like Oprah does.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like You know,
2: like, oh, it's time to pick the carrots. Do you like, follow your Martha
1: first... Stewart on Instagram?
2: I don't. Martha I don't. Stewart
1: has one of my favorite Instagram accounts. Not because she's trying to have it; she just unintentionally is the most, the funniest person on Instagram. I don't yeah. know how much of her own growing of her food she does, but she always has new food that she's preparing. She's talking about her birds and her peacocks and her like. She just like you check out her Instagram. She had another thing where she's like she had this fancy appetizer. And then she's like, and we finished it off with a peasant dish, and it's like, oh, Martha. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I think I mean from knowing people that know her, like, yeah, she's got to have a staff. I mean, I don't think she's feeding the peacocks.
1: No, I but probably, uh, she probably does a little bit of it. But it looks too yeah. much for one person in general. She
2: she does work, a, like she does do that shit all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. she's yeah, I mean it's, it's not you know. It's too much for her to do, but all by herself, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm sure if it was like a smaller thing, she would be doing it all by herself, but I'm pretty sure she has like a full working farm and like-
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. And everything. Well, you know, yeah, she's making jobs. That's good. Yeah.
1: So anyway, I'd like to have a little, I'd never be as organized or as, uh, nothing I would do would ever look as good as Martha Stewart, but- Right. You know, I wouldn't mind having some of those, you know, lettuces- then. yeah right exactly chickens and things like that
2: lettuces you can't pronounce yeah, yeah. Um,
1: this is this well, do, <laughs>
2: do you think you could uh, take your foot off the gas to do that
1: Um, you know what I think I could you know I, yeah. I like I I started getting this groove with stand up where I would, I would be on the road for a week like I'd camp out somewhere Tuesday through Sunday do like eight or nine shows and then like I'd take the next week off and I know that isn't a ton of time, but like I liked getting into that groove where it's like work really hard, take take some time off, work really yeah, hard, not, take some time off. Yeah, that's not that's
2: not bad. Yeah,
1: and um, I think that's kind of the pace I'd like to get into regularly. I mean, like right now, I miss stand up, and I can't wait to do it. But I'm not like I don't mind having this time off. You know, I also know I'm like very lucky to like be in my circumstances. You know, yada yada. I don't want to. You know, I know people are really working hard and struggling. I don't want to make it Yeah. Time. I'm having a great time, um, right? But like,
2: but you are, but you, you are. Know, I'm having. A, You've never been happier. Yeah,
1: I've never, never been happier. Thank you, COVID nineteen.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, pandemic uh, party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, like I, yeah, I, I don't. I've, I've realized I don't mind the time off.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I thought it would kill me, and apparently, it's just getting me a little pudgier.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you, um, you know, this is the, this is all about where you come from, where you're going, and uh, what you've learned. So we're kind of, you know, we're at the end here. Thank you so much for spending your time.
3: Thanks
1: for having me. Well, what the hell
2: have you learned?
1: What What do you know from from this? conversation or in general no from
2: life no fuck this I mean you know from life
1: (laughs) um you know what I've learned that uh being a competitive person as I am um I've really learned that especially in stand-up and comedy in general that uh I never I got to a place where I I never begrudge anyone's success I'm so happy that anyone gets to do this and, um, you know, like we were all on our, our own little paths and I, uh, I had, it took me a while to get there. Like, you know, to not be like, oh, they got this, they got that. And it's like, no, yeah. we're all on our thing. You know, something that's good for someone can potentially be good for all of us. And like, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just I think we should have this nice comedy community where we can actually, You know, we're all family at the end of the day, really. I mean, not family, you know.
0: I know what you mean. All us stand-ups,
1: I feel like, you know, we all go, we go on stage and we get off and it's nice to be able to talk to each other and have fun. And as much as we might fight or hate each other um, from time to time, you know, be in each other's corners.
2: Well, yeah, and you're all, I mean, it's something that that is a common theme that comes out of this podcast is the notion of finding your own tribe. Yeah. And that you know, and that you are, you have these things in common with these people. And one of the things you have in common with them is that you're a little bit different than everybody else.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that you kind of like, were always somewhat dissatisfied with, you know, the regular life. And so you kind of needed this you know well, you need you need like there's something so inherently sort of egotistical about saying like i'm gonna go into a room where everyone's gonna shut up yeah and they're gonna sit in the dark and i'm gonna be lit and they're gonna listen to me you know and yeah. like that you're driven to do that is uh it's a it's a particular thing that you need to kind of nurture in each other
1: Yeah, and like, I mean, we live on like the outskirts of polite society, you know, like a lot of the stuff that we would say to one another, we would never dare speak publicly. And even sometimes when we do say stuff publicly, people get mad. And it's like, that's the one thing I really wish I could communicate better to the general public, which is like, if a comedian's saying it. I mean, get mad if you want to get mad, but do not tell them they can't say it. Because what makes you mad might be exactly what someone else needed to hear. Like the way you process something is not the way everyone processes something. And you might have found it offensive, but someone else in the similar situation to you might have been like, that was really funny and I needed that. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And also you're a comedian. You know, it's like you're not not the Surgeon General. You know, it's like it's just words. It's just an idea and you can take it or you can leave it, you know.
1: Don't put me on this pedestal of like, oh, I listened to her. That's where I get my philosophy from. It's like, no, no, no.
2: Don't do that. I, yeah.
1: I stay up until five o'clock in the morning often. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank
1: you for having me.
2: Yeah. And um, and I hope, you know, I uh, hope you get out of there soon.
1: Yeah, I hope uh, we all get out of here soon. I I miss the TSA. I can't believe I'd say that. <laughs> I miss snacks at oh. Hudson News. I miss LaGuardia. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, LaGuardia? Uh, I why don't you miss, miss Newark? Miss Newark while you're at it. Uh, yes. I miss the friskings. The yeah. friskings. I haven't been frisked in ages. Been too long. All right. Well, thank you so much. And, um, you know, uh, we will uh, get at you people. Next time uh, with a very special three questions, you're going to want to hear it. So bye
3: I've got a big big love.